This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Hey, this is Pete the Planner, USA Today money columnist and host of the Ask Pete the Planner podcast. When I'm not fixing the weirdest financial situations you've ever heard of, I'm stacking Benjamins. Live from Times Square in the heart of New York City, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. Hey everyone, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and on today's show, what new innovations are happening in finance? Joe takes us live into Manhattan for some credit union innovation insights from the Co-op Think 17 conference. On today's show... Today's show money editor, Gene Chatsky, author of How to Be a Financial Grown-Up, Bobby Rebell, and from NYU, the winning team from the Audio Think Challenge, from the National Credit Union Foundation, Christopher Moore, from Beth Page Credit Union, Shanta Soharain, and from Patelco Credit Union, Kevin Landell. But that's not all. We'll throw out the Haven Lifeline, answer your letters, and still have time for my trivia. Here they are, two guys who work in a basement that never sleeps. You know, except when it's it's nap time. You gotta you gotta nap. Joe and oh, J-J-J-J-G. I'm a huge fan of nap time. Now that I'm getting a little older, I kind of like nap time too. Isn't that funny? I remember struggling with that when I was a kid, and there's no struggle anymore. No, there's pure enjoyment. You're going to let me go over there and lay down for a little while? Sold. (laughs) Deal. (laughs) You know what else I'm sold on? Heading to stackybenjamins.com forward slash SoFi, OG. Because when you head to SoFi, you know what happens? You are working with the leader in marketplace lending, and you're going to find a lower interest rate on your debt. You're going to find that the terms are easy to follow, very simple and flexible. And you'll find that you're treated like a member, not like 
a number. StackingBenjamins.com forward slash SOFI is the place to go when you're taking advantage of the fact that there's a company out there that just might care about you a little bit. It, they are definitely a different type of company. StackingBenjamins.com forward slash SOFI. Here's what we're going to do. Use our link. We're throwing a hundred dollars. Tell you what, we're gonna you get a hundred dollars and you get a hundred dollars and you get a hundred dollars. Have to use it for personal loan consolidations or for student loans. So if you have those, you're comparing. Why wouldn't you check out SoFi? StackingBenjamins.com forward slash SOFI. And if you're looking for a better way to invest, you know what you got to check out? Check out M1 Finance because they've completely rethought how online brokerages should work to make investing enjoyable, convenient, and low cost. I think that's a trifecta, isn't it, OG? I'm a big fan of the low cost one. But convenient is not you at all. No, I'm I don't I, I like complicated, <laughs> a pain in the butt, but as long as it's low cost, I'm totally in. Well, M1 gets that checkbox from you. The way M1 works is you build an investment portfolio by specifying what percentage of your money you want in certain types of investments. And after only the couple minutes it takes to set everything up, you just deposit money. It's all that simple, as easy as a savings account. This is cool. So so I'm in my account. By the way, I have M1. I need to disclose that. I use it. Uh, Cheryl is moving money over there right now as we speak. We have three different M1 accounts. Doesn't make it right for you, but it works for us. But anyway, my portfolio is out of balance, right? And all I got to do is I hit this button that says rebalance, and it will automatically put me back where it's supposed to be. I can hit that button. I'm sure Brian Barnes would be really happy over at M1 if I'm just pressing that button nonstop, like over and over. Every minute. Yeah. <laughs> We're already rebalanced, Joe. No, I'm off by one third of one tenth of 1%. I got to rebalance again. But that is totally cool, the way that M1 works. They'll automate everything all the buying and selling to put your money in the portfolio with the correct allocation. They even use fractional shares. So every penny gets put to work and it intelligently adapts how it directs the money based on market movements. With M1, it's super simple to have your money always invested exactly the way you want. It's a no-brainer to check out for anyone interested in investing. Your first thousand bucks in the platform, that's going to be free. And they charge a quarter of 1% for all balances up to 100,000 or only 0.15% if you're over 100,000. Do yourself a favor, check it out on the web at m1finance.com. Actually, you know what? I forgot to tell people, use our link so they know that we sent you because if sponsor ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash M, the number one finance, or you can download their slick mobile app on iOS or Android and uh, tell them that we sent you. Just tweet to them, M1 Finance, be invested. We're going to get invested in uh, some stuff I did a couple weeks ago, OG. I took the recorder. And I left the basement, jumped on a jet airplane, and I flew to this city called New York. Have you ever heard of it? I'm aware of there being a New Amsterdam. Is that the same place? It is. They changed the name recently to New oh, York. Okay. You, you might not know that. But it's exciting because the whole conference was about digital transformation. And that's actually why I wanted to cover this conference so much. It's the Co-op Think 17 conference. A lot of people that go there from credit unions that I talk to, you know, you get invited to how many conferences a year? People kept telling me. At least one. <laughs> people kept telling me this is their favorite. And, uh, and I got to say, it wasn't even directed at me. It was directed at credit unions, a bunch of uh, top credit union people there talking digital transformation. And the language they were using in OG, the, the stuff they talked about, it was, it was fantastic. So let's get into it.
You belong to a credit union, right, OG? I do. Yes, I do. Two, actually. Yeah, I belong to one, too. MSU Federal, Michigan State, <coughs> Go Green, Sorry. fantastic credit union. A little something there. <laughs> I learned a lot. You know, we had a roundtable recently about how credit unions work. And, and it's funny, the very first day that I was there, they had this uh, panel discussion. Our friend Jason Vitug was on the panel, as was uh, Helene Olin, who we've had on the show also, the writer of Pound Foolish. And a couple of credit union people were on that. And they were talking about the struggle. You know what part of the struggle is? The words credit union. Like, people have no idea. It's almost like that Jim Gaffigan joke. Well, I, I can't go to any meetings. I have to be a member? Like, what's that all about? But it's much easier than people think. I was going to say, for the longest time that I can remember, being a member of a credit union, it's like that's that wasn't the cool thing to do, right? It was like, oh, well, the credit union. There's like a, you kind of curled your lip up when you said it. But uh, I love it. I, I told you, it's it's fantastic. You walk in there and say, and they recognize who you are. And at least they may not know who I am name, you know, but they have seen me. So that's nice to get uh, a, a warm smile and a cup of coffee and I don't charge anything for fees and that sort of stuff and take care of things easy. And if you need money, they give it to you. It's fantastic. Let's be clear here. People do have credit unions do have fees, but I get what you're saying. I understand. Yeah, no, no, I know they do. Well, of course they do, but it's a nonprofit, right? And so, so the, you know, I was joking with the person why I got a car loan recently, right? We talked about this before and I was joking with the gal when I was over there because I was getting $2 bills and it's a materialist the reason why, but nevertheless, we're talking about how I've got a checking account and the savings account and the kids have accounts and the mortgage is at the credit union and the car notes at the credit union. I even have a credit union visa card. And I said, you guys own like just everything in my life. And she said, ah, that's where we've got you. <laughs> and I said, well, my plan is to pay off the mortgage a little early. And she said, no problem. We're not profit. So we'd love to have you pay off the house early. That was some of the discussion they had is the reason so many people don't know as much about credit unions is because their marketing budget is much smaller than a bank's oh, is. yeah, than Jamie Dimon's. Right, yeah. right. Slightly, slightly smaller. I can understand well, that. Well, and the reason is, is because the board, because it is a nonprofit, they look at every expense and say, is this a good use of our members' money? And, right. and not that shareholders don't do the same thing, but when members are shareholders, when they're the same exact person, it's, it's run a little differently. So to set the stage here, I talked to Samantha Paxson. Samantha is the chief marketing and experience officer for Co-op Financial Services. They're the group that put on this conference. And she told me about innovation and where credit unions and frankly, in my opinion, banks, but where everything is headed and where credit unions have to be. Let's listen. So I'm speaking with Sam Paxson, who's the Chief Marketing and Experience Officer for Co-op. How are you? I'm great. Happy to be here. Well, and we're just getting started here. So I thought this would be a great way to begin the show. Tell me what we're doing here in New York City, because this is fantastic. Well, we are here at the Think Conference, which is all about the evolution of uh, mission-driven financial services. And this week, we're focusing on digital transformation. Everything in business is really talking about digital transformation. We've got AI, we've got data, we've got bots, we've got all kinds of things upending business as a whole. And credit unions are a primary audience for this, and they are wanting to see how can they shift the way that they deliver for consumers to really help continue helping them in their financial lives while also being super relevant to deliver like companies like Amazon or Apple. 
we have to be that nimble to see where business is going and make sure that all industries are staying on top of that. Well, you're the chief experience officer. What about the experience excites you the most? I think what excites me is really the integration of things. People, When people think about technology or think about digitization, they often think about their phone or an end new product or right. um, some new mobile app. Right. That isn't really what that is anymore. It's more building, integrating all of those different endpoints so that it is like air for the consumer. So how the way that you would man that that you would manage your money on uh, a weekly, monthly basis is kind of difficult today. Sure, you aren't thinking about each end piece of technology. You're thinking about how it all works together to add more value to your life. The average American spends about five hours a week managing their finances. That's a lot. I was going to say, that sounds like a lot more than I see. Like, I think the average person spends about two and a half minutes. Yeah, but when you link all those two and a half minutes together, right, you know, right, right, right. like... You're talking about fumbling around from app to app and yeah. and trying to do your transactions because it's not seamless. Right. Gotcha. Right. The way innovation is going and the way businesses need to transform, they need to integrate by thinking about the entire service experience, how that enables greater value, enables you to get more things done, and then how does that layer over technology, and how do you make that more agile and be able to shift as quickly as technology is changing? Does that mean that for you, the best experience is, is that you disappear and it just feels like it's magic? Yes. Yeah. Is yes. it, isn't that wild that if you do your job well, people don't even think about you? It just, it just seems horrible and, you know, kind of. It's about customer centricity, though. Yeah. You know, rather than it being about a company and what's right for the company, and it's about what is going to be the most helpful for a consumer and what they're trying to do in their financial lives. And how do we innovate along the edges of that and make it tighter and more seamless and more secure? Because with digitization, there's right. a lot of fraud and security and sure. data issues. Um, how do you make that as seamless as possible? But perhaps also, how would you make that exciting or make that bring bring new ideas or um, make that bring the humanity to that experience. We have to not forget humanity when we're adding all of this technology. Well, and that's what I was going to ask you next, Sam, was looking at the experience right now. We talked about the fact that it's platform, 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 and shifting from one to the other is frustrating. But given that, what else really frustrates you about the customer experience now that you'd love to, if you could just switch a button right now, what would you switch? <laughs> All of it. That's a big question. <laughs> As a consumer, so I'll get I'll tell you a story. Over the holidays, I was shopping and I I'm a busy person, I'm a working mom, and I don't have a lot of time to go do holiday shopping. So, I had had a meeting in a place where I'm not normally in a city where I'm not normally. And I was at at Nordstrom's buying um, holiday gifts and I inserted my card into the chip reader. Um, to pay, and it said transaction denied oh. because I was in a weird place shopping yep. on a random Tuesday night and spending a lot of money sure. because I was trying to get all that shopping done in one fell swoop. What happened next was what really intrigued me. 
the car, I put the card in. It said transaction denied. In my other hand was my phone. An email popped up and said, are you trying to, is this transaction authorized? I hit a button, said yes. I put my card back in and within 20 seconds, it went through. That's what I mean. That solved a problem for me. I didn't have to stand in front of the cashier and be embarrassed. I, I, it was no hassle. I didn't have to get on the phone. That's the kind of use case that today's consumers expect. Where can you make something that's difficult easy? I want to be protected. Sure. That almost turns into an experience that I appreciate. Thank you for just making sure that this is the right transaction. You are right. protecting me. And then you made it super easy for me to spend more money. <laughs> so, okay. Right. So um, I think that those are the kinds of things that – we as people expect today. And I think that card provider probably said, what will make it as easy as possible for this customer to shop? (laughs) So that's in just that use case. But there's so many different ways that people pay, engage with their finances, save, think about money, think, look at their credit, look at investing. It's so broad. Right. How do you help bring that all together for people that are so busy and have so many other things in their lives going on? How do you add value there? And I think that's what the opportunity is within the entire financial services space. And at Co-op, we're really helping the credit union community. We have 3,500 credit unions that are in that are part of our network and 60 million consumers. We are helping them be able to live their mission of helping people in their financial lives, but deliver it in a way that's really technology-based um, and really progressive and forward-thinking. Thank you for hanging out with us for a few minutes. It's my pleasure. Thanks to Sam Paxson for hanging out with us for a few minutes. I think she's right. People don't want to go into a branch anymore. I mean, when it just comes to the future of any type of banking, any type of banking at all, I don't want to go to a branch. Yes, especially from a technology point, if you can handle what you would have to do by going into the branch or making an 800 number phone call, and you can handle it on your phone with some simple yes, no questions or some quick clicks. You know, there's some things that are just easier done <laughs> on a phone, right? It's powerful stuff when she said we want to be like air. And, uh, you know, we just we're here wherever you are. We're here and banking gets done, and I don't have to think about it. It just happens. Mm-hmm. Powerful, cool. stu- powerful, yeah. powerful stuff. Really like talking to her. Uh, that was interesting. But also interesting then, I spoke to Bobby Rebel. For those of you that haven't heard uh, Bobby Rebel on this show, Bobby used to be the television anchor for Reuters TV. She uh, decided to step aside from that because she has this brand, How to Be a Financial Grown-Up. And she's really done a great job of expanding that brand. And Bobby was the moderator for the first full day of the Think Conference. And she talked to me a lot about some of the disruption, the digital disruption going on in banking right now. And I found this uh, fascinating. Bobby Rebel, they will let anybody moderate these sessions. How did you get on the stage? I know the right people. You know that. I have my ways. It's all about the FinCon connection, actually. Yeah, right, right. So through that, they called me up, and this was a great experience. Yeah, so how's it feel being a financial grown-up, by the way? Being a financial grown-up has been quite the adventure. I mean, we spoke right when right. How to Be a Financial Grown-Up was being released. It's been a wild ride since then. The book was an Amazon bestseller, which was really exciting, to the point where I actually decided to pivot off of my full-time job at Reuters 
and basically focus on building the financial grown-up brand and helping people become more financially literate and more in charge of their finances and get closer to the financial freedom that we all want and to make that my full-time focus. So, And it also allows me to do things like be here. Yeah. Well, most of that comes from being on Stacking Benjamins, I think, probably, doesn't it? Stacking Benjamins was the most pivotal moment <laughs> of my entire career. Without Stacking Benjamins, I would be nothing. Be nothing. I yeah. would be nothing without yeah. Stacking Benjamins. And you can use that in every promo that you use. I am literally, my whole career happened because of you. That whole Reuters thing, I was just yeah, that throwaway. Was just oh, a throwaway. Yeah. 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 But let's talk about it because you talk about being a financial grown up and we're talking about innovation and credit unions and tools. We've just, we're sitting here, we finished day one, we're in the empty, big, huge ballroom. What did you learn from today? I think we're at a real tipping point for the credit union business because there is a real wave of opportunity. This is a business that, in fact, technology gives them an advantage because the biggest disadvantage they've had in many ways versus, say, the big banks is that they're not necessarily going to be on every street corner. Right. But when you have the technology, that kind of levels the playing field. The question for the credit unions then is how to use that technology, how to make the right balance, because just throwing technology at something doesn't necessarily get the job done. In fact, that was the theme of the second day here at Think 17 was what gets the job done. And technology can be a tool, but really they have to focus and what they are talking about is focusing on what do our customers really want and learning the different themes. So for example, um, we talked about one company was really focused on fraud prevention. So they, they use the technology to enable their customers to turn their cards on and off and to be able to control that measure of security for themselves and kind of empowering the customers. And by, by turning your card off, you mean I'm sitting at home and I just click a button and my card is no longer accessible? Is that what you're talking about? Exactly. You can go in, you can basically be alerted anytime your card is being used. If you want to set it up that way, you can have it on or off so that no one can get to it when you yourself are not using it. Yeah. So it's giving the customer control and using technology for it, but also making it a lot more human. It's funny. One of the things I, I heard that I really liked, and it was the CEO of Co-op uh, that said it was putting on the conference, said, uh, we talk about digital strategy for credit unions It really just is strategy, right? It's not digital. It's, it's, it's digital first, and it, it should be our lifeblood. Exactly. I mean, digital is really a very important tool that should not be overlooked. But at the end of the day, it is about the broader picture of strategy and looking at where they want to be, how they can set themselves apart and really communicate with customers the value add that they bring to the table that maybe their competition doesn't. Meg Crofton was here today, as you very well know. You introduced her and spoke with her somewhat. What do you think about this idea of disnifying the financial experience? Like when we're interacting with our credit union, what's the correlation between that and Walt Disney? Well, at the end of the day, whether you're Walt Disney or you're a credit union, you want to engage your customers and you want to delight them, even though it's a very serious thing to have to get a loan or a mortgage, whatever the thing that you're going to the credit union is for. At the end of the day, you want the customer to feel good about the experience and to feel if they go into a branch, for example, that they're immediately greeted and that they solve the problem. So even though technology is important, it's more about what comes from the technology. So with Meg, she talked a lot about the magic bands, which were her, that was her big claim to fame and her major accomplishment there. Having been there myself with my nine-year-old just a few weeks ago, I can tell you, 
it truly did delight us. We had an amazing time. It could do so many different things and really made for a very seamless experience. So that was a tool. The technology was a tool, but the end goal was to create a delightful and seamless experience for the customer. And that is the kind of thing that these credit unions are trying to incorporate in their strategy to make the experience seamless, get rid of the friction, and really delight them and make them excited about being part of that credit union. We can find our financial happy place. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So what's next for you, Bobby? Well, I am extending the Financial Grown-Up brand. We're working on a video documentary. It's a multimedia project. You can read more about it at bobbyrebell.com by going to the Financial Grown-Up Project. And I am interviewing 100 people now, so we're expanding beyond just the role models in the book. And I'm asking them the same questions. What was your Financial Grown-Up moment and what's your lesson to share? But this time, we're bringing it to life by being on camera. It right now takes the form of basically a video blog, but the pieces will all be strung together in a documentary that I will debut in 2018. And I should say, if you want to nominate somebody, even yourself, to be part of this, absolutely get in touch. You could do that through the website. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Thank you. And my summer project also is to start working on getting my official CFP. That's so cool. My official summer project is to stay away from mom and keep podcasting in the basement. Sounds like a good plan. Thanks for hanging out. Always. Thanks again to Bobby Rebell. And by the way, if you don't think that we're going to chop out her saying that uh, Stacky Benjamins is the highlight of her career and use that over and over, you're kidding yourself. Of course we are. I was going to say, I've got a similar testimony. I'm not entirely sure that it's the highlight of my career, but it is, uh, it's something that I do. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be my testimony. Oh, this is, Stacking uh, Benjamins, not quite the highlight of my career. It's something I do. Somewhere near the peak. Right. It's somewhere Might be. on the ascent. I like this idea of, and I didn't say it during the interview, I like this idea of disnifying the process because she's right. No matter whether you're a credit union, a bank, Walt Disney, you have to engage your customer where they're at. Well, and Disney's everywhere, right? Like when you think about all of the things that they've got their fingers in, but more specifically when you have that experience that is Disney, I've talked about it on the show before when we went there the first time and I, we drove and it was two days and it was 1200 miles and I check in a box. That's all the reason I was at Walt Disney world for was just to check a box to say, I did it. I took my kids. I don't ever have to come back to this place. And I opened the door to the resort that we're staying at. And the guy in a big top hat and a tuxedo says, welcome home. And I said, said, that's cool. Anyway, so I'm checking it. He says, of course you are. Who are you? And I said, it's OG. And he says, right this way, OG. And he says, we've already prepared your room. And it was just this wonderful, like, la, 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 fairy, fairy tales and fairy dust floating around. And I came springing back to the car. There was a big smile on my face, you know, and you want that to happen with all of the experiences that you have in your life. And if you can do that with banking, which I got to imagine most people don't pick you know, banking is like a highlight of their day. I was just thinking the same thing. It's like when you say, there are things that you say that people go, "Uh uh-huh, you know, like, hey, uh, I can't, I got to run over to the post office. You know, I'm like, oh, that sucky way to spend an afternoon. You don't usually say, hey guys, I'm headed to the bank. (laughs) Woohoo! But you know, but I like this idea of heading to the bank though, is an idea of the past. Like this whole conference, nobody was talking about heading to the credit union. They were talking about that. It's it's all, it's all around you. Like you said before. Yeah. No, good, good stuff. And by the way, 
in that first interview with Sam, I talked a little bit about the lack of innovation at banks, and I need to be clear about that. I think there is some innovating going on at banks. I just think, going back to the interview we did with Carol Rellini, that banks are built on, and I, I believe what she said, banks are built on the backs of their poorest customers so they can give big discounts to the really rich customers. I mean, don't get me wrong, that's the way that the world works, and but it, but it's frustrating and Banks own the marketplace. And uh, so when I say there's a lack of innovation, I don't mean no innovation going on at banks. There certainly is some. But the space is not as lively as I'd like it to be. Let's move on. My next discussion might have been my favorite of all because there was a competition that has happened over the last few months. And a group called IDEO got together with Co-op. And it's the IDEO Co-op Think 17 Challenge where they challenge different groups to innovate in a specific area. And because everybody's looking at millennials, they wanted to look at groups over 50. And how can you help groups over 50 do something? And five students from NYU were one of the winning teams, and I got to talk to these students and talk about a great group. Well, let's have a listen. One of my favorite things I've seen so far uh, here at Think uh, 17 is the Think Prize Challenge. And we have Joanna here from OpenIDO. Joanna, how are you? I'm doing great, Joe. How are you? I'm awesome, now that I'm talking to you, because this is really cool. We have some special guests here with us who we'll introduce in just a second. But first, let's talk about the challenge. How does it work? Sure. So the Think Prize was um, a partnership between OpenIDO and Co-op Financial Services and MasterCard. And our topic was financial longevity. So we put out a question to a global community. It was, how might we create financial services and products that support the dreams and obligations of those 50 and older? And so we led a global community through a three-month process of research, ideation, um, refinement, and then top ideas. And you have people from all over the world. Yes, from 60 different countries. Really exciting. Uganda, Patagonia, um, all kinds of places. Yeah. Were you surprised by that? Um, we do have a global community on OpenIDEO, so I think for better or for worse, I've kind of come to expect it. <laughs> We'd kind of take it for granted. But it's always different depending on the topic, right? So we get global perspectives on you know, financial longevity or whatever the specific topic is that we might be focusing on, and that is always fascinating and always brings new perspectives to the table. Well, let's talk about this particular topic because because we do fintech on our show all the time, and every fintech thing we do is geared toward millennials, it seems like. Why did you go the other way? Because everyone's going towards millennials. <laughs> um, and there is, I mean, aging is being redefined, right? We're, we're living older, longer. And 50 plus is now this moment of opportunity. And it's, you know, we might have kids, we might have parents, um, we have a lot of responsibilities and a lot of things to take care of. But in some ways, too, life is just starting. And I think that's a, a new definition that I came to understand as I worked on this challenge was I became excited for 50. I was like, wow, I can start a new career when I turn 50 or, you know, hopefully I have some resources saved up and can make even more choices kind of down the road. And so we wanted to focus on that moment and provide financial services and products that you know, really reflected those those dreams and obligations. How many winners did you have? We had five top ideas. Awesome. Yeah. And we're joined here by Lillian, Kathleen, and Flora, who are part of a, your team of five, right, Lillian? We are a team of five. We are all grad students at NYU, uh, focusing on digital design and product development. So how did you decide to get involved with the challenge? 
Our challenge started in a design thinking course that a few of us took together, and our professor showed us the Open IDEO website and encouraged us to participate in the challenge. And we had several brainstorming and ideating uh, sessions, and then we came up with this idea, and we all loved it, and we ran with it, and now we're here today. <laughs> Before we get to the idea, Kathleen, let's talk to you. Designing stuff for people age 50, none of you are 50, you're looking at 50 and older, how challenging was that? It was very challenging to begin with, but when I started thinking about people who are 50 plus, then immediately I thought about my parents. And I thought, well, what do I want to design so my parents can have an easier life? Now they're taking care of my grandparents, they're taking care of me who's still in school, and one day I'll be that 50 plus people. So what do I see in my future and where do I see myself? So what type of research, Flora, did you do before you came up with the idea? When Lillian talked about the fact that you had brainstorming sessions, I'm sure that included some research. We did some primary and secondary research. We did a lot of user testing. So that's the majority of where our research came from. Any surprises about people 50 and older that you didn't expect? Um, one of my, uh, one of our teammates, Adish, um, discovered that there is a large dating population, or like <laughs> for um, fifty plus. But for I, I think that was the funnest thing that we found out in regards to technology. But for me personally, I, I thought it was very surprising to me that it's only going to get harder. <laughs> so, so being exposed to this population and learning from them, I think, is like really beneficial for me because it's going to prepare me when I get at that age. So it gets me thinking now. Now, like what kind of significance do I want to have going forward? What do you mean there's a significant number of people age 50 plus listening to this and they're wondering what you mean by the word harder? How does it get, <laughs> how does it get harder? Very good question. So um, thinking about, you know, around this age, there, there are people that are taking care of their parents and their kids. So there's two age groups, like from early childhood to people towards the end of their life and being able to balance that. So they're caring for the youth and they're caring for the older generation and they're in the middle and they're the support system for both. So being able to juggle that while maintaining a job, while thinking about your retirement and maybe having a social life, that's a lot to balance. And for me, it was like, whoa, I got to figure this out. <laughs> so it was honestly, it was very beneficial for me because um, I have, now I'm thinking more more in that way, like yeah. how can how can I manage this? Is this something really uh, what I want to do? You know, do I want to start a family because this is a lot, and my parents are going to get older, and I have a lot of siblings, and so it was eye awakening for me. But what's cool is is what you came up with because it's a it's a really powerful idea. So tell me, Kathleen, what was it that you came up with? We actually had a, a few pivotal moments, but now our service is called Build Your Business, which is a service toolkit that we designed for a credit union so they can help the people who are 50 plus to, I guess, achieve their lifelong dreams and aspiration by maybe starting something on their own. Because from our research, we found that 50 plus is just another beginning. People want to do something a little different. People want to finally start fulfilling their dreams. That's so exciting. So Lillian, when it comes to people 50 plus starting a business, how do you help them? Well, our service is tailored to each credit union's specific needs. So we found in our research phase that a lot of small business owners need help with budgeting, accounting, creating marketing plans, filing their taxes. Uh, we especially targeted freelancers um, because freelancers are small business owners. Sure. And, you know, it's tough to run a business by yourself and you can't do it all and you can't be an expert on anything. And creating business plans and filing taxes were, were a lot of the pain points that we found that freelancers currently experience. Yeah, uh, Florida, you have uh, beta users now, you have people using the service? 
Um, we are still developing the packets, okay. um, so we are still doing some testing. Yeah. But to kind of add to what Lillian was saying, we discovered who our target user was, but we realized because marketing is targeting millennials that there's a need to empower the credit unions to be able to support this uh, the 50-plus population. So we pivoted and decided, you know, we need to help the credit unions help this population because we know we've done our user testing, we know what they want, so let's work with them to help this group of people. We realize that our service that we're offering is so ingrained with what credit unions were used to, like how they were founded. So we align completely with that. It's just like, hey, who are we trying to help? It's like we're trying to help this population when we've been targeting another population of people. This population is still youthful. They're living longer. They have the money to be able to pay for all these different extracurricular things that they can do in the future. And nobody's taking advantage of that. And it's like crazy. <laughs> so, right. so, and then, you know, part of that, it's like, well, we can actually create some social change with the like the credit unions can be a part of this movement. Like we can make our future lives better. It doesn't have to be just money like uh, elevation, the elevation group from Boulder. They have like beekeeping courses, like to keep people engaged, to keep people learning. One of our uh, experts that we interviewed, he is a pastor at his church. And he was talking about the three different phases of life somebody goes through. And the 60 plus population, that group, they still have this urge to learn, to want to contribute, to focus on the significance of their life. And that doesn't necessarily mean in the professional realm. And that can be, like there's people that have like this profession and they want to share it. Or there's people that just kind of want to try something new. And so we talked about this in our presentation about the three different lifestyles. We have focused people. Right. We have focused people that have been in the industry and they know what they want. They want to maybe downsize. We have people that are casual. They're like, oh, I've been an industry expert for so many years. Oh, this seems like something I could contribute to. And then they'll walk away. Like, I did my part, but I don't want to commit to anything. And yeah, then maybe we, do it part time now. Yeah, yeah. And then we have the dreamer. It's like, oh, I want to start a new business. I always wanted to do this. Now I have the time. Right. So, our, you know, we have these three different lifestyles and we really think our service can actually target all three of them but we just need to help the credit unions do that and help understand like what are some other wants what are some of their dreams and i think that's where our our service adds a lot of value that's that's so exciting and so i'm i'm sure joanna they won like a bajillion dollar prize is that <laughs> the, are they yeah. independently roughly, wealthy yeah roughly a bajillion was the, <laughs> the yeah that's the technical number but you've got to be excited i mean listening to them oh, and yeah. every year when you do this challenge it's got to be exciting to see the cool ideas people come up with. Absolutely. It's what's so incredible is this constraint of time. So the challenges run, you know, about three months and they've had a few extra months after that, you know, preparing for this think conference. But it's incredible what teams of people can accomplish in a short three months when they, you know, have a topic and have a team to go to for support and brainstorming and all of that stuff. So it, yeah, we are we're blown away by the progress that they've been able to make and are excited to move forward and hopefully, you know, see this implemented in a credit union. Well, congratulations, ladies, and thanks for hanging out. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. It's about time for those of us approaching 50. I don't need a, I don't need a dating app, OG. I really don't. Cheryl would not be overly excited with you on Tinder. <laughs> Why are you swiping your hand left all the time? What's that all about? I don't even know what left versus right means, by the way. Somebody's got to tell me. Oh, I'm sure oh, all, of a sudden, yeah. all of a sudden I'm backpedaling. Look at, look at how red uh, my face is. Yeah. Uh, all of a sudden I'm backpedaling. Oh, I, I mean, maybe it's right. I, I, don't, I don't even know. Never, never had the app. You look at a lot of the businesses in this country that succeed, 
And those businesses are created by people over 50. I mean, they have work experience, they have contacts, just helping them have the technology aspect down and partnering with a credit union to do it. I mean, these, uh, I think these students got a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Bring them into the digital age. Thanks, by the way, to all of them and Joanna from IDEO for spending a little time with me. I had so much fun talking to them. You could just feel how excited they were, couldn't you? Yeah, they were obviously uh, super passionate about what they were talking about. And let me tell you one other thing, actually, before we go to our next interview. I thought that when I was going to interview them, that their idea was going to revolve around a credit union service. You know, it was Mm going to be something, some app, something that made it easier for 50 year olds to use it. It wasn't that at all. It was about making more money. And look at what, look at what they did. Instead of looking at things to help you solve your debt or things to help you with your savings account, it's making more money. I mean, once again, the biggest driver of becoming wealthy is income, bringing in more income, which is another reason I thought this was right. Really helps. Yeah. That was fantastic. I had asked a question the first day that I was at the think conference I asked a question of a panel where they thought financial services were going to be in the next five years. Like what's going to be disruptive and what's going to change things. And the panel gave me decent answers. Uh, The CEO of co-op who was on that panel told me that he thought it was going to be a game of trying to stay one step ahead of hackers. Right. Well, now, I mean, just last week, right. We had the big worldwide hack a week ago. Yeah. And he said, it's just going to keep getting worse and, and worse. And so different people talked about different things. But the CIO of Patelco Credit Union came up to me and he had a much better answer. He was so dialed into five years out where things are. So let's talk to Kevin Landell from Patelco Credit Union about where the ball's headed. We've had lots of discussions about the future of technology, obviously, here at uh, Think 2017. And here with us is Kevin Landell from Patelco Credit Union. He's the CIO, so you're the guy that would know kind of where the ball's headed, wouldn't you? Well, I wouldn't say I know where the ball's headed, but I can uh, tell you where I want it to head. Yeah, and you've got some really definite opinions, and I love this idea. So if we're looking five years into the future, Kevin, where do you see uh, fintech headed? You know, there's three different areas I think fintech is is headed. Uh, The first is, uh, and we've heard this all before death of the checks. I think that with everything going on in um, your mobile arena and the ability to deposit checks and send checks and P2P payments and all those kinds of things, those are just going to become ubiquitous. Five years is a long time in technology and that's just going to take over. I'm kind of surprised that checks are still around today. Like every time I have to write a check, it's almost like I forget how. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Actually, uh, we just sat through a uh, workshop just now where we were talking about a member who had her cards compromised and ID theft. And so she went back to using checks. And uh, some of the things that we were talking through in terms of providing solutions for her were technology driven, like alerts and those kinds of things. And some of them were just straight ahead education that checks are not necessarily gonna be more secure than your digital. (laughs) So real interesting. What else? A couple of other things, but I think the biggest thing that's gonna move the needle um, in the short term and particularly between now and five years from now is going to be AI and the ability to really understand behaviors. And we've talked about big data. It was kind of the big hype for a little while, but really it's about understanding behaviors based on that data and AI is going to be uh, tremendous in that. And the other is uh, conversational interfaces. Well, and actually, before we get to that, with AI, what are some of the things that you're seeing now on the bleeding edge where AI is really pushing the envelope? 
two areas. One, back to fraud, understanding exactly what someone's behavior is so you can find something that's outside of the ordinary. Mm -hmm. And the other is uh, opportunities. So especially for credit unions, it's very important for us to help our members improve their financial lives, to identify places where they could perhaps uh, save some money for the short term or for the long term. And part of that is understanding their behavior so that we can give them uh, opportunities where those pop up. Almost like so your credit union knows sooner than you do where the opportunity is. Oh, certainly. Um, both where the opportunity is and where the potential fraud is because half of our job is helping our members get ahead and the other half is helping them not become a victim as well. Yeah, but you had a third big one. Yeah, you know, I think that that's the, uh, the victory of mobile payments. Right now, mobile payments are just hovering around a very low percentage of, of uh, members who are, are using those or the general population, not just members. And I think there's lots of different reasons for that. One is that it's knowledge about what it is. There's actually still some uh, people who think it's uh, not secure, but primarily I think it's a chicken and egg problem in terms of the terminals that accept it and the merchants who are for it or against it and what's available on your phone. But five years, again, is a long time in the technology time frame, and I just think that mobile payments or let's call them virtual payments are going to become much more ubiquitous, and that leads back to the first one, the death of checks and uh, lots of other things. We're seeing that, by the way. It seems like in Asia, you see that a lot. Mobile payments much bigger there than here. Oh, yeah. Uh, in Asia, in Europe, uh, UK, is uh, mobile payments are really, really huge. And it's not just mobile payments, but it really is sort of the whole virtual payments. The whole idea, if you take the payments and you take AI and you put them together, the whole idea of money movement uh, is going to move from the idea that am I making a payment or am I making a transfer? Am I doing a P2P or am I doing an ACH? Those are just crazy things to ask someone to go through. They just want to pay somebody, right? right? right. I don't care what the system is. Yeah, exactly. And so it's going to be one of those things where um, there's going to be a convergence and it's really just going to be money movement. And I'm going to be able to, through AI, through um, understanding my behaviors and through understanding conversational interfaces, I'll be able to say pay bill. And that'll be able to, to pull up information about the last bill I paid or perhaps my friend bill yeah. and send either a P2P or send a, a bill payment. I, as a consumer, don't really care. I just want the money to get from point A to point B. And so I think the technologies are really going to be there sooner than you think to be able to do that. It sounds like that Jerry Seinfeld joke where, you know, the pilot's telling the whole cabin exactly how they're going to get to their destination. And Jerry's like, as long as we end up where it says on my ticket, I really don't care where we go. But I have a question for you, which is that uh, back in December, we talked to Patrick Kelly, who does a lot of the apps and a lot of the technology for USAA. And he was talking about the death of the app. App, that really th this idea that we have 50 apps on our phone is going to go bye-bye. You're in a similar position with the credit union. Do you see the same thing? Do you think that apps are, you know, going to have a death over the next five years? Wow. I have never thought about that in that way, but I think that that is exactly right. I think apps are a solution for a problem that was provided today. Right? right? Apps are something that came out with the iPhone. It's a new way, a new paradigm of doing things. But I don't know about you, but I've got three or four pages of apps right. yeah. on my phone. And, uh, and there's always this debate about, you know, do you do your own app? Do you do a branded app? Do you do a suite of apps for your financial institution? And, uh, you know, I think that, that he's really onto something there. I, well, I like this idea that we've heard here at Think, which is that instead of making your customer come to you, you guys at, at credit unions are really talking about just being where your customer is, and I think that's a powerful thing. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And again, uh, your phone is where you are, so your credit union should be where you are, and that's that's in your pocket. And You know, in five years, is that an app? or? Again, is it just a conversational interface? I yeah. should just be able to, through whatever 
Siri or Alexa there is in five years right. to be able to just just say you know move my money from here to there, pay whomever from from here to there, or uh, you know invest my money so that my kids are safe and and able to go through school. Now uh, Patelco Credit Union, where are you guys at? Boy, where are we at? So I think we're actually beginning that that journey right now. We are actually doing some pilots with uh, conversational interfaces, chatbots, and AI. Um, with a company, I'll call them out, Actionable Science. And that's, uh, that's pretty interesting stuff. We're doing a little bit of pilots with our branches and, and trying that out to see how that works. We are investing heavily in what we call omnichannel, which I think is the new buzzword. It means many things to many different people, right? <laughs> to us, what it means is the ability to do digital delivery in a way that's seamless for our members. So that means that if a member is coming to us for a product or a service, no matter where they start or where they end, they can take any path in between, and one of our team members will be able to help them. That's so cool. Kevin, thanks for the time today. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thanks. I am with Kevin. I think, uh, I, really, when you when you hear him talk, you wonder why checks are still around. I think I've written like two checks in the last two years. Why are checks around? It is, yeah, it is amazing. Hey, uh, mom's got some lemonade on upstairs. OG, you and I are going to stretch our legs. And Doug, let's get some trivia. Let's have a trivia break. OG. Hey everyone, I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Here's the question. Which president signed the Federal Credit Union Act? Think you know? We'll find out in just a moment. There's a lot of misinformation on student loans out there, but one company, SoFi, spelled S-O-F-I, is attempting to cut through it all by providing better financial education. Co-founder Dan Macklin explains. If I was to sum up the education in a couple of ways, in two ways, it would be one, borrow as little as you can while you're at school. It sounds obvious, but some people, I think, just don't think about it because all their friends are spending money. Um, but really think long and hard about what you're spending. But then the second piece of advice is once you've graduated and you have a job, think about whether it makes sense to refinance your debt. Because for many people, they're overpaying on that debt and they could get a much better rate if they refinanced. Seems like great advice, doesn't it? Spend less, score lower interest rates. According to other sponsor, Magnify Money, SoFi is a leader in every area that they compete in. So whether it's a student loan, a mortgage, or even a personal loan, SoFi has you taken care of. Why pay more than you have to when you could be contributing more to your retirement instead? SoFi doesn't ask you to be a millionaire to use their services, but you do have to be responsible with your money and you know who you are. Start working your money better today. Visit SoFi at stackybenjamins.com forward slash S-O-F-I. That's stackybenjamins.com forward slash S-O-F-I. I've talked about this stat before, but this is scary. According to a 2016 Gallup poll, 48% of all Americans don't own any stock. And I realize it can be daunting when it's time to start something new, but here's a great thing. Getting invested is more to do with taking baby steps than leaping headfirst into Wall Street. Here's Brian Barnes, founder of M1 Finance, on just how easy it is to be invested. So you just either log on to the website or use the mobile application. We're native on Android and iOS, and it takes about three minutes, and your first $1,000 that you deposit is managed for free. I'd love to say the free $1,000 is a special deal I made for you, but uh, Brian and M1 Finance are that good to everybody. With M1, you can select from one of dozens of professionally designed portfolio pies, or you can customize it, as mom says, to your heart's content. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash M1 Finance for more. That's stackybenjamins.com, M, the number one, finance 
Finance.com for more. So just fire up their mobile app, M1 Finance, be invested. everyone. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Here's the question again today. Which president signed the Federal Credit Union Act? The answer, President Roosevelt signed the Federal Credit Union Act in 1934 during the Great Depression. What also was interesting to me was that credit unions seem to be this collective of uh, lots of groups helping groups. So when you walk into a credit union, your interface with a credit union, you're seeing the front line, but like the IDO challenge winners, they're helping people through their credit union, but they're not actually working at the credit union. And a group that we talked to, a nonprofit group, called the National Credit Union Foundation. They provide services to credit unions. We caught up with Christopher Morris from the National Credit Union Foundation. Let's listen in. I love coming to conferences because you meet all kinds of interesting people. And I have one here with me now, Christopher Morris from the National Credit Union Foundation. Tell us a little bit about what the foundation does. So the foundation in the uh, credit union space, we're basically the national charitable arm for credit unions. CUNA is the trade association, uh, and we're part of CUNA. We're basically their charitable arm for credit unions. So we give grants to credit unions. We have programs for credit unions, basically giving credit unions and credit organizations the tools to help their members. Well, let's talk about that because people listening are members. What are some of the tools that you provide that people maybe are surprised that credit unions actually do? The biggest thing we do uh, really to help credit unions is financial education. A lot of credit, and that's a big differentiator between credit unions and banks. Is credit unions do financial education just because it's in their DNA. They don't have to do it, but they do it because they're different. They're nonprofit uh, cooperatives. Uh, so we provide them a lot of resources like BizKids, which is this national PBS television program that teach kids about managing money, made from the people who did Bill Nye the Science Guy. So that's something we helped fund. We basically got cranes together and said, hey, guys, we have to we have to do this. We raised 14 point something million dollars wow. to get on TV. Uh, si- season six will be coming out next month. It's award-winning. So that's something that cranes can leverage. And, you know, it's on TV and brand into cranes, but cranes could use it in the schools and boys and girls clubs and children's hospitals and whatever and uh, teach kids about money. Like, that's just one piece. Which is awesome. let's, l- let's talk a little bit about the conference and about this idea of innovation and digital. We've talked a lot about that this week. What excites you about where credit unions are going with their digital message? Yeah, with the digital message, I mean, that's something we spend a lot of time at the foundation talking about. I mean, it's, it's interesting because, you know, while we are not, uh, I, I don't work for a credit union, I work for a credit union, you know, charity. Right, right. So I, I'm listening to a lot of these sessions just from a different point of view, but so much of it is applicable just in terms of, you know, you think of your website, you think of just, you know, again, we don't have members that we work with directly, but you know, obviously, we have users that will use our website that sure. make donations, that use our products, use our toolkits, and everything. So it's made me even just rethink. Okay, oh wow, we need to spend more time using making things seamless, and you know, these experience being one hundred percent better. It's got to be like Amazon, yada yada yada. So it's it's fascinating to kind of even again. I don't work at a credit union. I'm still probably taking just as many notes <laughs> as these other people. Me too. I mean, even for our show, I was I was telling someone I've taken so many notes about doing stacking Benjamins better, right? Just based on what yeah. I learned here. So th- that's awesome. What's coming up now for uh, the Credit Union Foundation, Chris? What do you guys have on the docket that's exciting besides you know the stuff for kids that we just yeah. mentioned? Yeah. So aside from Biz Kids Season Six, that's the big thing. We're also doing a huge um, grant project with a number of large credit unions. Um, 
with this company called, it's not a company, nonprofit, CFSI, Center for Financial Services Innovation. I think I got that right out of Chicago. <laughs> and basically helping credit unions, um, you know, credit unions do all this amazing work, but it's helping them track like the financial health of their members. So it's oh, cool. so using uh, basically benchmarks to say, okay, our members are hurting in this area. Our members need help in this area. So it's almost a way of them to measure, okay, is this actually moving the needle on, you know, getting them out of poverty or getting them, you know, improving their assets and well, the wealth and stuff like that. So we're working with a bunch of cranes to kind of beta test this. And hopefully by the end of the year, we'll say, hey, we have all these benchmarks to cranes. Now you could actually see like how you're moving the needle on helping your members. And here's how you can even make more of a difference using like data. Right. So, I mean, that kind of relates to this conference. It's yes. Talking about data and tracking. And it's yeah. surprisingly a lot of cranes are doing all these amazing things, but we're not really stepping back and be like, okay, is this... Is this working? Is this making a difference? So well, and there's something else. Even even when it is working, credit unions don't have the marketing budget that banks have. I mean, one thing that hit me hard was because uh, credit unions have members. The board says, you know, it's all this advertising serving our membership well. Right. Yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, uh, how do people find out more about the National Credit Union Foundation? We're on social media, obviously, at all, all the places, um, mostly ncuf.coop. And uh, also, if you work for a credit union, uh, you can check out our podcast, which is uh, Murmurings, and that's also on our website. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Morris, thanks for hanging out. Of course. Of course. Thanks to Chris for hanging out with us for a few minutes. And by the way, I mentioned this earlier, but we'll have, of course, links to all of these organizations if you want more uh, on anybody that we talked to at Think This Year about innovation and making your life easier when it comes to managing your money. We'll have those in our show notes at stackybenjamins.com. I don't think this next person needs any introduction, so we're not going to give her one. This was the moderator for day two. Check this out. And we're here with the moderator for day two from Think 17, someone that you've never heard before on the Stacking <laughs> Benjamins podcast. I feel like she's my new BFF. Jean exactly. Chatsky, how are you? I'm good. How are you? We're not in the basement. I know. We're, what are we doing here in New York? It's such a nice place. It is, but it's, it doesn't compare. No. I mean, no shag carpeting. No, no. I don't want to insult your mom. Right. That's right. So let's talk about this conference, though. The language that we're hearing from credit unions this week at Think, isn't it? It's powerful. It's really powerful. I mean, it's nothing new to me. I've been in and around this space for a long time. But this idea of a digital transformation has been our focus today. And there are a number of credit unions that have gone through the process already and are continuing to iterate. And they're helping bring the others along, which is just fabulous. Let's talk about maybe a couple of the stories that you've heard today. What was really powerful that you saw on the main stage today as you were moderating? Two of the uh, speakers today really stood out for me. David Rogers, who wrote the Digital Transformation Playbook. He is a Columbia University professor and has worked with many, many different companies. What I heard from him, and, and again, reiterated from other people, is the idea that this is not about technology. It's really about figuring out what the problem is and then how you're going to solve it. And technology may be part of the solution, but you've got to work the problem first before thinking about getting your brain tired with all the technology that you have to deal with in order to get there, because it may require very little in the way. Yeah, so we don't end up with a bunch of technology that nobody's going to use exactly. then. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And, and he also really talked about the idea of testing a lot of things 
throwing a lot of spaghetti against the wall to see what sticks and failing fast. I think that's good. It's funny, you and I uh, talking about money all the time, just in personal finance, that makes sense. Because I feel like people are afraid to fail. And his whole point was just keep throwing it. Exactly. Exactly. Figure out what works. Get rid of what doesn't. Fail fast and fail cheap. You know, don't put a lot of resources behind something before you're sure that it's going to be the right thing. What was the second powerful thing? Michelle McKenna Doyle, who is uh, with the NFL, talked a lot about her experience. And what she said that I thought was so relevant to credit unions was that for her at the NFL, not all fans are the same. And they've had to realize that not all fans are the same. And to reach out to women, millennials, Hispanics, and, and to meet all of those different fans where they are. Credit unions have to do exactly the same thing. And by the way, so does anybody else who has a business. But it's funny to see credit unions talking this language as much or probably more than banks are. Yeah, you know, I don't know if it's more than banks yeah. are because, you know, we're, we're with a group of credit unions right. today. But I do think they understand, it. look, they're mission-based. And millennials speak that language. They are, they, they love a good mission. So being there to serve this generation seems to me to make an awful lot of sense. I have one more very tough question for you. How's your running going? Because that's where we first met under the arch in St. Louis running. How is your program going? It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, I've been running a lot, actually, but I'm not going the distances that I used to go. My my hips are not so happy these days. Yeah, but I love the weather. I'm getting out and definitely doing it. And I've been taking the occasional Orange Theory class. Have you gone to Orange Theory? I have no idea what that is. Orange Theory, it's a a treadmill-based class where they get you up into the orange zone by making you do intervals, essentially, which you could, of course, do on your own on your treadmill at home or when you're running on your own, but you don't. And so when you've got a coach there saying, pump it up. By orange, they mean your heart rate then, getting your heart yeah, rate up? a blue zone and a green yeah, zone. Yeah, and yeah, it, yeah. I get is it, it really orange? I don't. <laughs> does your blood turn orange? I don't think so. Right. That is like, we're going to leave it on that question, Gene. Gene Chatsky, thanks for hanging out. Sure. Anytime. It's always a good day when you get to sit down with, with Gene. I do, I do feel like we're BFFs now. I feel like I talked to Gene Chatsky. More than we talked to mom. Sounds like you're talking to her more than you talk to me, and I'm getting a little jelly. <laughs> a little, just a little. You should be. Gene has some fantastic points, but this idea of all fans aren't created the same. The NFL gets it. Banking needs to get it. Yeah, right. I mean, the needs of certain demographics are different than others. And, of course, uh, what people are looking for based on their status in life. I mean, what you're doing when you've got three kids is a whole bunch of different stuff than when you're single and just getting married. And that's a big transition. Or if you never have kids and, you know, there's just so many different things that have that one size fits all package doesn't make a lot of sense. And this idea of falling forward that she said, you know, she was talking, the guy on the stage was talking specifically about technology, right? Create something, throw it out there, see if it works, you know, iterate. Then once you know that it works, that the germ of the idea is right, then put more money into it. I'm totally with her that that's that's the same with personal finance, man. Just try something, put a little bit of money toward it. You know, maybe an investing strategy you think is a good idea or whatever. Get get in there and play. Well, you got to have fun with what you're doing. And I totally agree with the whole, you know, try stuff out try it inexpensively. This works really well in business, obviously, as you're trying new marketing ideas or new new ventures, side hustles, ventures or something like that. 
You don't need to go out and spend $20,000 to develop uh, the, the world's best website if you don't have any idea if anybody's going to come to it. You know, spend small, be nimble, move quick, make decisions fast. All that makes sense. I want to end this conversation about credit unions with uh, Shanta Saharian, who is the associate vice president at uh, Bethpage Federal Credit Union. I wanted to end this discussion talking to somebody who has boots on the ground, right? We're talking high level here a lot about where banking's headed, where credit unions should be headed. Talking about all that, let's talk about what's going on right at maybe a credit union right near you. You know, part of the fun of being outside the basement is the fact that we get to talk to people in these beautiful places. We're looking out over Times Square right now, and I'm here with Shanta Suterain from Bethpage Federal Credit Union. You know, Shanta, it's funny. We've talked to a lot of people about some great innovative stuff and about the 30,000 foot level about credit unions becoming more innovative. But you're the boots on the ground person, right? So what is it that you guys are doing at Bethpage that you're really excited about when it comes to digital innovation? We are currently transforming our online banking platform and mobile to a space where it will be intuitive to the members, uh, a seamless experience from one platform to the next with the help of co-op and, and alchemy that will give us the ability to make sure that their current data moves over seamlessly for that new experience. It will be a new look and feel, but we want to make sure that experience is seamless for our members. A lot of our speakers have talked about that, about being like air, right? Wherever your member is, that you, you're there. So you talk about this new experience. What does, that, what does that mean? Define that for me. It will create an omni-channel experience for our members. So there's not signing on to one system and not signing on to another system. It will it. bring everything together. We have other applications that where they have to download several separate apps. Bringing this into this new platform, we'll be able to move CardNav which we offer into this application, uh, move travel notification into this application. So it'll be a very omni-channel presence, which will also look to bring down to a level in, with our branches so the members can experience the same, uh, whether it's offline or online. Nice. And regardless then, I guess what you're saying is whether I'm paying my car loan or if I'm working on my checking account or balancing my budget, whatever it is, it's right now it sounds like those are kind of separate channels and you're bringing it all together as one? Yes, exactly what you said. If a member calls their contact center and they start an interaction there, the tellers or anyone else can be able to see that interaction and be able to read the notes and identify where the member left off. So that will be a, a good takeaway for that for with this new application. So, so you'll know everything about me then. <laughs> That's kind of creepy. Yes. <laughs> it isn't creepy at all. Uh, so for your credit union, what have you gotten out of the last few days? We're meeting here on the last day. My head's so full of a lot of uh, cool ideas. But someone like you, I think you're looking at the things here that are usable. What are you going to take away from Think 2017? One of my biggest thing, what I got over the four days, is to bring this back to see how we can collaborate more. There are still some silos in my opinion, but how we can bring it down to that level where we engage every area down to the lowest level of the organization. From top down, we have that happening today. We have the synergy, but I think we can do much more in that area. 
Yeah, anything in particular that would excite members that you're thinking about? Having that conversation, connecting with the members yeah. more. Yeah. You know, today we tailor to their individual needs. We don't just sell for the heck of it. Our tagline is we care about what you care about. We en- enrich our life. Our vision is to re- enrich our members' lives. We do that with our strategic pillars that we have. We start with the employee engagement, then to the member experience, to digital, and then to which will lead to growth. Those four are critical to our strategy that it gives us a bigger picture to for the employees engage happy employees equals happy members yeah i liked i heard that over and over that if your employee ain't happy ain't nobody happy like it at our house uh, if mom ain't happy ain't nobody happy they thanks a ton for hanging out with us shanta oh you're welcome and anytime please reach out to us we're in both page and one thing i would like to add we had an, an opportunity last year where we acquired a credit union that gave us the ability for anyone in the United States to open an account. You know, there's many times people say, well, what is a credit union? How do you join? It's not about being a member. It's not getting a membership. Anyone can just open an account with a $5. And if you don't have that $5, we will fund it. That's funny. That's a whole different conversation because another conversation we've had is people don't realize how easy it is to join a credit union. Yeah, I have no idea. Thanks a ton. You're welcome. Thank you, so. Thanks to Shanta again for, for taking a few minutes to talk to me. You know, it's it's funny. She's talking about the user experience and about redoing their whole platform so that people have a unified experience, no more multiple logins. It's, it's just kind of funny. On one end, they're talking about this really high-end stuff, right? Not having checks anymore. On the other, credit unions are coming up. Like, like you know what I mean? You see this funnel that they're working through to get where they need to go. A lot of moving parts, right? There's a lot of moving parts. And, you know, getting the public involved whenever you change something is so difficult. But, man, I, I just like where all of this innovation's headed. Big thanks, by the way, to people at Co-op for having us come out to cover the conference. I was so excited. I love talking technology, as you know, OG. And it's just exciting to see the future and, uh, and where this whole ball is headed. I was very tired after four days. I have to tell you, I was incredibly tired. Uh, yeah, you came and visited me for the evening, so uh, I, I can attest to that. To my, way, way back through town. To my flight. Uh, yeah, what a nightmare there. So let's throw out the Haven Lifeline, OG. Let's get back to business. How about that? Okay, I like that. We're going to tackle some of life's or rather life insurance's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they're disrupting. Talk about, we've been talking about disrupting all day. Haven Life is disrupting the life insurance industry by focusing on what you value most, your family, and your time. And that's why they've created a high quality, affordable term life policy that you can purchase entirely online. Qualified healthy applicants can even skip the medical exam. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now to get a free quote and to learn about life insurance the modern way. Not just a free quote. I like I like how they look at how much insurance you need, about how it's a range, not one set number. Yeah, it's not going to be a specific number, right? Because there's a lot of variables that come into the life insurance calculation. And today we're throwing out the lifeline to Anonymous. How do you, why do you name your kid Anonymous? <laughs> Just to have a whole bunch of weird spellings of that for their whole life. That's a tough name. What up, Joe and OG? I just acquired $200,000 from a private estate my uncle left me after he passed away. I'm 22 years old. I live on my own. I work full-time as an auto mechanic, and I love it. In addition to that, I'm going to school full-time studying automotive as well, and it's funded completely by scholarships. 
However, I'm hesitant on what I should do with the amount of money like this. I know it's not a lot, but I want to start considering what I could do to make some smart decisions with this amount of money. This is a broad question, but what would you recommend? Thanks. Is he asking other than lottery tickets and smokes? <laughs> what would we do after that? I mean, casino, obviously. Shut. Dude's trip. I mean, you got golf. You got the casino thing. Beach house in Cabo. This is the best question to ask because whenever anybody gets a windfall, when I see it, and I don't, I'm painting a broad brush, but you and I both seen people get a windfall and immediately they do the dumbest thing ever with the money and it's gone and they regret it later. Oh yeah. I mean, gosh, I, I've seen that happen more than I've seen this question happen. Right. Yeah. I mean, by a factor of like five to one. And I think there's a lot to do with it because if you don't, I think if it's not yours, there's a different attachment to it. You know what I mean? That's just, I don't know. I can't, I don't know if there's an emotional reason behind it or something like that, a maturity issue or something, but, but I've seen it happen a million times where it's like, well, this wasn't my money anyway. It was uncle Bob's money. So whatever, you know? Yeah. No, don't do that. (laughs) Yeah. Be a good steward for this money. And so what a, what a great question. So OG. So he said, how old was he? 22. 22 and uh, wants to do the right thing. My first, my first feeling is do nothing at first and give yourself the time to really plan and, and think about it. Cause too many people get, too many people get sucked into the wrong thing. Well, I think that's a really great observation. And you see this happen with professional athletes too, or at least you read about it more often than not, where all of a sudden there's this huge windfall and now all their buddies come out of the woodwork, right? All of a sudden I want to buy a new car and a new house and a house for mom and a house for grandma and all that stuff. I like the fact that he put himself in here as anonymous, Smart choice. Yeah. I wouldn't tell anybody that you got this money. Yeah, I wouldn't tell anyone. I wouldn't tell the banker. Well, I mean, I guess the, I guess the banker is going to know. Right. But I sure, sure wouldn't tell any of my buddies. Family? Oh, my goodness. Oh, no. Every, I mean, every I was really... so dumb with money at 22. And if every, I knew that one of my buddies had a quarter million dollars somewhere, every, I'd just spend it for him. Every relationship I have is going to change if anybody knows. Oh, ridiculously so. I like what you say there. You know, you can hit pause. There's nothing that you got to do that's so important. You know, depending on how the money is, right? Like if it's an IRA or something like that, there may be some things that you have to do in the next six to 12 months to handle that correctly. But assuming that it's like a check and somebody hands you a check and you put it in your bank account at the credit union, obviously, uh, (laughs) I wouldn't do anything with it for a while. This is where people get in trouble, right? They get in trouble because I'm going to open up a yogurt stand you know, I'm going to give my buddy some money for his business, you know, all that sort of stuff. This is where I think it makes the most sense to keep it completely simple, right? Low cost, diversified investment portfolio. And what you've always said that I've started to adopt as my own is this isn't $200,000 at all. This is $7 million. Yes, right. And if you treat it the right way, this is seven million bucks. You asked me to do this math last week. Remember a couple of weeks ago, and I said no. I said no. I'm not going to do the math. But let's do. Oh, the- I just I just kind of did it real fast. I just did 10 percent over the next 40 years. So that gets them to uh, age 62. That'll increase this portfolio by 45 fold. I said seven million. I'm sorry, nine million. This is a nine million dollar decision. Yeah. So I would not let it change my savings habits. So in school, paid for by scholarships. That's great. I like to, you know, he sounds like he likes his job, he's doing what he's doing. That's fantastic. Make sure you save money in your 401k, do all that sort of stuff. You know, when clients come to us and ask us these questions, 
it's hard to, when you're 22, think about 42. But I remember being 22. And I can tell you 42 is right around the corner. And doing the right thing or nothing or something very simple with that $200,000 today, in 20 years from now, that money is two and a half, three million dollars. And in 30 or 40 years from now, it's, you know, at 10%, nine million. I mean, for crying out loud. The thing that I would tell them not to get sucked into, don't get sucked into the hot investment, right? Don't get sucked into. That's what I said. Sexy is stupid. Yeah. Simple. Yeah. Don't get sucked into that. If you find an advisor, find an advisor who's a fiduciary, who's going to help you set that up and set it and believe it or not, probably set it and forget it. Right. Where maybe, and if you, you know, our sponsor M1, I use them to just, yep. they rebalance a couple times a year for me. It's all automatic. It's meant to be set it and forget it, but still do the right thing with your money. So I, you don't, don't touch it. Yeah. Trust me. And 30 years from now. When you look at your investment account, you've got $5 million and you figure out you can take $200,000 a year out of the account that your uncle left you $200,000 once out of, uh, you will be happy that you did that. Great question. Thanks for the question, Anonymous. If you've got a question, want us to throw out the lifeline to you, here's where you go. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash voicemail or just go to Stacky Benjamins. You'll see question for the show and right at the top, you'll see the Haven Lifeline. Doug also brings us down the mail, and today's question comes to us from Anthony. Anthony asks, he says, he's a recent graduate, mid-20s, and he's trying to build both his emergency fund and retirement. He's trying to max out his Roth contribution for 2016 before the April deadline. Tells you what you need to know about where we are in the letters. About the mailbag, yeah. Mm -hmm. To do so, however, would delay funding my emergency fund for a few months. Would it be suitable to contribute first to a Roth and get the money into the account for 2016, but keep it in cash for a few months to provide time to build up the emergency fund, knowing I can withdraw contributions tax-free? I recognize I'd be foregoing a few months of potential growth, but I'd have liquidity for emergency purposes and the money for 2016 to be in the Roth. I could contribute to both in the future. Just catching up in 2016 has made it tighter. I bank and invest at the same institution, so transfers happen within the same day. Seems like a decent strategy, so tell me why I'm wrong. Thanks, guys. Love the show. We love you, Anthony. So, OG, I think we're going to agree on this answer. Yeah, uh, it's obviously past tax time, but this will come up, you know, every six year. months from now. Every year. It's going to come up all the time. Um, absolutely. Get the money in the Roth. If you need it, uh, take it out, but uh, you're not going to need it because you're only a couple months behind. So, no cool, down- easy. No downside. You can... Can't see it. I can't see one. Uh, there isn't one. So so you got it right. Put the money in there. Leave it in cash until you have your reserve built. And then you've got the money in. Because, you you know, you have a finite amount of money you can put in every year. So you got to hope. Cross your fingers and say nothing comes up. Hopefully nothing comes up where you don't got to take the money. Beautiful. Make the max contribution if possible every year that way to that Roth. Good stuff. Thanks for the question. If you've got a question for the show, once again, the Haven Lifeline, definitely the way to go. We give a shot at getting there before the deadline. You could also <laughs> send your tax 2017 questions right. now. Yeah, today we might get to it. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash voicemail or Joe at StackyBenjamins is the email to use if you're going to send us a note. Thank you to everybody who's referred us to a friend. Thank you to people who have left us a review. Got a great review here, OG. This review is going on Mom's Fridge. It's by Susie Cued. Five stars. Always something new to learn. Great, great show. Funny, interesting. Love the news article roundtable. Always interesting to hear everyone's take on what the finance world's talking about. Thanks, guys. See? Doesn't have to be long, OG. Very, very simple. 
And by the easy, way, easy. Yeah, and by leave the, a review. <laughs> by the way, if you need if you need help in your corner with your financial situation, and you know what, it's not just something where you're going to call the Haven Lifeline and think you need an advisor to help you. Guess what? OG's taking clients, and that's stackybenjamins.com forward slash letter O, letter G. Very easy to get there, too, to get to his calendar to see what it would take to get him to help you. That's it. We're coming back on fire on Wednesday, OG, because we've got a great show for everyone. Getting ready for Memorial Day weekend. Which means, guess what that means? I already know. It's that time of year. Robert Niles, Mr. Theme Park Insider, is here. He's been here the last three years in a row. Every year we've had the show. Robert Niles from Theme Park Insider has been here to help us. And he talks about deals. More than that, he talks about value, right? Where you're going to get the biggest bang for your buck. He's going to also talk about all the expansion going on in Orlando, I'm sure. I mean, I haven't talked to him yet, but I'm sure he's got to talk about the new Pandora thing, the new Avatar Land at Disney. And what's going on at Universal and at regional theme parks around the nation. One one of my favorite episodes every year. Can't wait to talk to Robert Niles on Wednesday. All right, guys. Between now and then, go stack some Benjamins. Doug, what should we have learned? So what did we learn today? Well, first, looking for innovation? Ask your credit union how they're innovating. You might be surprised that your phone and computer will make transactions much easier than you'd thought. Second, say goodbye to checks. Kevin Landell has it right. If you don't have your payments set up electronically, mobile payments are coming. Jump in. The water's warm. But the big lesson, when you work for a podcast, get a copy of the calendar ahead of time. Who the heck let Joe go to New York without me? I would have rocked the city that never sleeps, and I'd have done it my own way. A big thank you to Co-op for inviting us to cover Think 17. You'll find out more about the conference and Co-op at coopthink.org. Thank you to everyone who appeared on today's show, including Gene Chatsky, Bobby Rebel, Kevin Landell from Patelco Credit Union, and Shanta Soharain from Beth Page Credit Union. And of course, the Audio Co-op Prize Competition winners from NYU. This show was created by Joe Saul Cihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Kathleen Selmans handles design, newsletter, and classroom opportunities. If you'd like to learn more, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash classes. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjaminsCast or on our Facebook page. Shannon Cowan is our community manager and social media guru. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm the real talent on this show. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Are you ready for summer like I'm ready for summer? Well, join us Wednesday when Mr. Theme Park Insider Robert Niles helps us kick off Memorial Day weekend a little early. He'll share all of this year's hottest attractions and best deals. See you then.
It has been forever since you've reviewed a movie. Yeah, well, you know, I don't have a lot of free time. <laughs> I'll tell you. I have work, work, and more work. You're going to talk about two movies. One that we'll talk about in a minute called Hacksaw Ridge, which came out this last year. And this other one from 2014, which... We oh, reviewed, gosh, it's that old? We reviewed, I'm way behind. We reviewed this on the show a long time ago, but let's talk about it. This will be great. This movie was called Fury, starring Brad Pitt and a bunch of other people. If you think it can't get worse, it can, and it will. The dying's not done. The killing's not done. I promised my crew a long time ago I'd keep them alive. I was afraid you were dead. Where's the rest of Thurip concerned? We're it. Sergeant Collier, I'm your new assistant driver. Tank school? That's home. Never even seen the inside of a tank. You will. I started this war killing Germans in Africa. Now I'm killing Germans in Germany. Been with these fine gentlemen for years. They're headed into German territory, OG. The tank called Fury says Fury right on the main cannon coming out of the tank. This is quite an epic story, as is Hacksaw Ridge, by the way. Right. So I, I watched both of these on airplanes, and unfortunately, as quite often is the case, you get to about like the last uh, eight minutes of a movie and the Wi-Fi and the plane goes out as you're in final descent. Oh, no. So you go, well, I'm just going to make up my own ending on this one. Although Hacksaw Ridge, I, I actually rented on my iPad so I could watch the last. It actually ended up probably by being about 40 minutes I had to watch there. So Hacksaw Ridge is more of a true story. Uh, Fury is a collection of stories, but both of them are World War II movies, right? So they're on the same genre as Saving Private Ryan. I think a lot of people think Fury is based on a real-life true story, but it's kind of a collection of stories that the author put together to make this one story. So the final scene where there's a big standoff between the tank and you know all these other troops, I think, was a little more fiction than reality, but still very, very, very cool movie to see overall. I liked Fury better than Hacksaw Ridge. So did I. Uh, uh, personally. I thought that they spent a little too much time on uh, in Hacksaw Ridge about the character of like how he was so anti-war. You know, anti-killing people, I guess, not anti-war. But And I really disliked Vince. who was the drill instructor, Vince Vaughn's very feeble attempt at being Arlie Ermey from Full Metal Jacket. It just I just don't understand why in any movie where they need a drill instructor, they just don't go grab a Marine off the drill field and say, and action, because it will be a million times better than Vince Vaughn trying to do his best Arlie Ermey impersonation. Certainly out of uh, grit and determination in Hacksaw Ridge, uh, if half the stuff that they showed on the, on the movie was uh, even remotely close to true, what a hero. Two things about Hacksaw Ridge that bothered me, and certainly Fury had its share of blood and guts, but I felt like Hacksaw Ridge that Mel Gibson, who is the director, mm. really spent a lot of time on making sure that you got your share of blood. Like, we had lots and lots and lots of blood, and I'm like, wow, it just, I mean, it felt like, sometimes it felt like a bad paintball movie because it was just so much splattering going on. But that wasn't the thing that bothered me most about Hacksaw Ridge. The character, I like a movie that's about a catalyst, right? That changes somebody. 
And maybe you could make a case for saying that this gentleman changed everybody around him, right? It changed everybody else's perception of him because at the beginning of the movie, they thought he wasn't brave. Clearly, he was amazingly brave. But the fact that it's centered on him so much and he didn't change at all, and it was just the telling of his story made it a little... I think what he did was amazing. Yeah, you don't want to diminish what he did. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to diminish what he did. I want to talk about the movie. But the fact that that he didn't change in terms of the movie, not in terms of the event, I thought was a missed opportunity. Where in Fury, I felt like, you know, even in the trailer that we just played, people couldn't see this because it's an audio podcast, but the new guy jumps and he's joining this. It's a new guy with a seasoned crew and he completely changes. And everybody in that film, as the situation changed, you saw every single person change. And I really, I really enjoyed watching a film where, where everybody had to, they had to change. Like they, Um, they were forced to change. So I felt more emotionally connected, I think for that reason to that. And not to put down Hacksaw Ridge because it was a decent movie. Yeah, no, it was, it was decent. That's a good good way to look at it. Both of them are thumbs up, one watch each. I don't know that I'll go back and rewatch mm, either of these movies. Right. You know, kind of check the box like, okay, I saw it. For some reason, like Saving Private Ryan, I thought it was a little too, to me, that was a little too, um, a little too real. So that one was a one watch for me because I just don't want to. Oh, it's like. It's like involve myself in that again. That's too close to reality. Well, um, these two wasn't necessarily like that. I didn't feel, but nevertheless, I don't see a need to rewatch them. It's a lot like uh, Schindler's List for me. I'm so glad I watched it. Watched well, it one yeah, time. Yeah, Schindler's List. I watched one time. I suppose it's been probably 15 years since I watched it, so maybe I could pull it out again in another 10 years. Yeah, epic. You know, epic film. But uh, I don't need to be that sad in my life. Yeah, and Saving Private Ryan, Schindler's List on a whole different level than these. I mean, those, those oh, movies. Oh, gosh, yeah, yeah. I like, would watch like, both of those way before I watched these. But Fury, still way, way, way better, I thought, than Hacksaw Ridge. I agree with that. Yeah, yep. good stuff. All right, everybody, that's going to do it. We'll see you next time. Well, Stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is... Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and best careers for military spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.